you have your Bible, take them and turn with me to Matthew chapter 28 today. Matthew chapter number 28. Uh, we're starting a new series. I'm not sure how long this is going to last. I guarantee you, though, it will be shorter than our Ephesians series. I guarantee that. Uh, but it'll probably be for the next several weeks uh, as we introduce uh, the book of Acts in the coming weeks. But today we're going to be in Matthew chapter number 28. Matthew chapter number 28, the very last couple of verses of Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. So this is a part of Scripture that is referred to as the Great Commission. This is when Jesus, uh, after his resurrection uh, from the empty tomb, after he rose victoriously from the grave, before he went to heaven, he... Uh, he had some, I guess, some, some encouraging words, some challenging words to say to his disciples, to his followers. And what he, what he did was he's, he gave them a commission. He gave them an order to follow, some commands, some challenges for them, and not just for them, but for all of his followers, even today, some 2,000 years later. And that's where we find ourselves in this story, and, and really this, this new series is entitled Commissioned. It's understanding our radical purpose that Jesus has given us. But I want to go ahead and read these verses this morning, and, and it's found here in Matthew 28, as well as in Mark chapter 16, in Luke 24, John 21, and Acts chapter 1. But Matthew 28, verse number 16, the Bible says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. All right, let me go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. Again, we thank you for this opportunity that we can come and meet together. Uh, just the beautiful weather that you've given us the past several Sundays. And just thank you for that, Lord. And I'm just, I'm, I'm ecstatic that we can meet together. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful that we can meet online, uh, digitally, over the past several months. But I'm glad to start coming back together. And Lord, I pray that you just continue to, to give us the wisdom and discernment to know what to do. And I pray that Lord, I pray that you'd help us this morning as we study your word and focus on this new message, this commission to your disciples some 2,000 years ago that is very, very important for us today in the 2020 year that we are living in. God, I pray that you'd help us to understand our commission, to understand that we have a purpose, that you have given us a challenge, a call, a purpose in our lives, and I pray that you'd help us to not neglect that command, that commission that you've given us, Lord. I love you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. During World War II, the United States produced warships in astounding numbers. Basically, it was a race to see if we could produce more warships faster than the Axis power could sink them. We won the race, but after the war, the Navy had more ships on its roster than it could keep in service. Battleships are very expensive to build. And cost uh, is fairly impossible to recover by dismantling the ship. So the Navy came to have a reserve fleet. These ships would be harbored 
with minimal maintenance so that they could be activated within as little as 20 days if the need arise. One of the best-known fleets is located in the Susan Bay in California, some 30 miles northeast of San Francisco. Today, you could not find a ship in that fleet that would be ready for naval service within 20 days. What once was called the Reserve Fleet has now been named the Mothball Fleet. Once a fleet, the ships are in serious disrepair, rusted, corroded, neglected. They are one by one being tugged away and turned into scrap metal or made into museums. And as of 2017, a couple years ago, there were only 10 ships left in that mothball fleet. Most of those ships had been dismantled or taken away. You see, these ships that once could engage in battle and win a war now sit broken, rusting, and out of commission. What turned these majestic and powerful ships ready for war into mildewed and corroded skeletons and worthless relics? It's one word, and it's neglect. And that's kind of what I want to hit on this morning and really this series for the next several Jesus Christ, before he left this earth to go to heaven, to prepare everything for us, for his coming, for him coming back, left, he gave us a commission. He gave us an order and authorized a challenge, a command for all of his disciples to follow. Today, just like those relic ships of the have been neglected and really useless, honestly, there are many churches and many Christians that are through neglect of their purpose. Christians today neglected their duty and sat down on the job and forgotten their purpose. Christians today have put themselves out of commission. And this morning is somewhat of a challenging message and challenging series because it goes perfectly with our theme of impact. What we're trying to do this year is to truly impact our community and our world. And as Acts chapter 17 verse to turn the world upside down the gospel of Jesus Christ. But in truth, the world upside down, we have to realize that Jesus Christ has commissioned us. He has given us an order. He has given us a challenge. He has given us something to do. And it is up to us, his church as individuals, those who are saved and baptized and part of the local assembly, it's up to us to fulfill that commission. But many times over, we have neglected our commission. Look, it is very important that we come and, and worship together. It is very important that we do that. It is very important that we come and worship together, that we give of our tithes and offerings, that we give of ourselves, that we serve other people. But that alone is not enough. You see, the challenge here that Jesus gave was to go and make disciples. And I guess the question, the challenging question that I want to ask this morning is this. You don't have to answer out loud. You don't have to raise your hand or anything like that. But how many of us today have led someone to the Lord? How many of us have made a disciple of someone outside of our own family? You see, if we haven't done those things, then we have neglected our commission. 
And it's very easy for us to say, well, that's why we have a pastor and that's why we pay him. That's why we have a staff. But this commission was not just for pastors. This commission was for all believers, all disciples of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to ask a question. I'm going to answer it later. But the question I want to ask is this. What is the greatest need today for the local church? What is the greatest need for the local church? Did you all realize that we are not in charge? Has anybody realized that? I think, I think all of us have realized that. I know I'm saying it kind of sarcastically, but, you know, one thing we've talked about is that we need to learn to lose control this year, and I think many of us have understood that, and we are losing control. But this goes back to our Entrusted series, that we have to understand that we are not in charge. Who is in charge of this whole universe? God, His Son, Jesus Christ. They are in charge. We are not in charge. We have been left here. We have been trusted here with a purpose to live out his glory, his honor, to advance his kingdom and not our own. But again, how often do we live for our own purposes? Do we live for our own agenda? And really this this series commission is living out our radical purpose. It's doing something that we're not really comfortable doing, but we're called to do. And when it comes to the Great Commission, listen, we do not have the luxury of entitlement without responsibility. You see, there are a lot of Christians today that feel entitled. I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm entitled. I've been in this church for however many years. I am entitled. You're entitled to nothing. But you do have a responsibility. You think of kids today and teens today and, and young adults today. They, they have that entitlement. I've been guilty of that. Growing up with my family, and I'm sure they can attest to that, that I had that entitlement attitude that once I got my license, my parents should just hand over the keys to their car. That, that, that didn't work that way, though. I don't know why. They didn't buy me the nicest car. I had like this broken down, hunk of junk, 1987 Ford Taurus that died like every time I, I stopped. And I tried to park it by the dumpster and let it take it away, but my parents didn't like that. It didn't work. But anyway... I, I had those issues where I, I felt entitled that, hey, I have arrived. I am 16. I got my license. So give me the keys to your nice car. I'm going to go away. But uh, that's not how it worked. And I think there's many Christians that kind of act the same way. I think every Christian here would talk about the importance of understanding the Great Commission. They understand the significance of it. To share the gospel and make disciples Theoretically, it's a very simple command, but I think there's a big problem today. We are too distracted. We are too focused on ourselves and our petty squabbles than actually doing what Jesus commanded his church to do. We have been called to live out a radical faith and fulfill a pretty radical mission. But the problem is we have replaced a radical faith and our radical purpose with what is comfortable, with what is convenient. Listen to this. We are settling for a Christianity that revolves around catering to ourselves when the central message of Christianity is actually about abandoning ourselves. Jesus commanded us to go. 
He created us to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, to go, to go and make disciples. That is our purpose. And anything less than radical devotion to this purpose is unbiblical Christianity, plain and simple. And again, you're probably like, I didn't come to <laughs> hear a message like this. Well, it's the Bible and it's God's word and this is what we are called to do. It's not about, look, I, I want you to enjoy life. God wants you to enjoy life. God wants you to, to, to live out the, the best life that you can, but he wants you to do it in accordance to his word, his will, his purpose. And going back to what I'd asked earlier, you know, really think about this. When's the last time maybe you personally led someone to the Lord? You know, that, that's important. That's a start. But beyond that, when's the last time that you discipled someone? that you took them under your wing and said, you know what? It's my job to disciple you, to show you what it means to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. Well, I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm, I'm too whatever. There's an excuse for everything. But that's our command. That's our commission. That is our purpose. Just like the reserve fleet that turned into the mothball fleet, the great commission today has turned into what many refer to as the great omission. One commentator referred to Matthew's account here as the climax and major focal point, not only of this gospel, but the entire New Testament. And there are many implications that I want to look at this morning, but three very quickly. The first thing that we must understand in verse number 18 of Matthew chapter 28, I'm going to read it again. The Bible says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. The first thing we must do is this, believe in the authority of Christ. Believe in the authority of Christ. Jesus makes a claim to his disciples in this verse. The word power means authority, the right to use of power. You see, if what Jesus claims in verse 18 is not true, if he does not have all power, all authority over all earth, then everything that is said in verse 19 and 20, to go, to evangelize, to make disciples, is meaningless. And I'm going to say something that might sound almost contradictory. It might sound uh, not biblical, but you have to stay with me and listen to what I'm saying. You see, Jesus is not just the personal Lord and Savior. Here's what I mean. He is our personal Lord and Savior. When we get saved, we often say, He is my personal Lord and Savior. And that is true. I'm not denying that fact. We need to understand that, yes, Jesus is our personal Lord and Savior. But what I'm saying is it's easy to miss the point of Christ's Lordship. He saves us personally. He loves us personally. He rules over us personally. And that's the great thing about Christianity, that it's a relationship and not just a religion. But he is not only the personal Lord and Savior over you or me or one group of people. You see, Jesus is the universal Lord and Savior over all. He is personal Lord and Savior, but he's not just personal Lord and Savior. He is universal Lord and Savior over all, which means nothing can trump his authority. There is nothing in heaven, in earth, that is above Jesus Christ. The entire gospel of Matthew stresses the authority of Christ. There was authority in his teaching. He exercised authority in his healing. And even the 
power to forgive sins. He had authority over Satan. He delegated that authority to his apostles. And at the close of Matthew's gospel, he says that he has authority over all things. Look, obedience to the Great Commission is not a man-made program, nor is it our own willpower that leads us to go. Jesus' authority is what compels us to go. His worth is the fuel to our mission. Christianity is a very missionary faith. We don't face a lost world on the basis of our own authority, and I'm thankful for that. But we face the lost world on the basis of Jesus Christ's authority. And the proof of his authority lies in the empty tomb, church. And the first thing that we see is that we must believe in the authority of Jesus Christ. That yes, he is the personal Lord and Savior over us, but he is the Lord and Savior over all the earth, over all mankind. But the second thing in verse number 19 is this, we must obey the commission of Christ. We must obey the commission of Christ. You see, after Jesus states the claim that he has all power that has been given to him, all authority, he then tells us what to do. What's he say in verse number 19? What's the very first word? Go. What's the second word? Ye. Now, it's very easy for us to take this passage, to take these verses, whether it's in Matthew or Mark or other places, and say, well, it's go, go, go into the world and, and preach the gospel. But it's not just for other people. Go ye. Who is the ye that Jesus is talking about? His church, Christians. Go ye, or, well, I don't understand that kind of antiquated English. Okay, go you. <laughs> you go. Is that better? You go into the world. You go into the world. Now, we also have to understand this, that in obeying the commission, this isn't something, well, I guess I better start doing it. No, this is actually a present participle, meaning that we are already supposed to be doing this, meaning that once you're saved, you have been commissioned to go and tell other people. So once you're saved and once you're already going, with the gospel and sharing the gospel, then what you're supposed to do as you're already going, then go and make disciples. You see, the going is something we should already be doing. The term disciples was the most popular name for the early believers. Being a disciple meant more than being a convert or a church member. Apprentice might be a better term or more equivalent term. A disciple attached himself to a teacher, identified with him, learned from him, lived with him, learned not simply by listening, but also by doing. You see, the Great Commission for the local church is about impact. And again, it's not enough to just come and hear and sit and listen. That's not enough. What we're called to do is take what we've heard, what we've received, and go and live it out. That goes back to our Ephesians study about being engaged in the gospel, in gospel living. Once the gospel has truly impacted our lives, once the gospel of Jesus Christ has changed our life, and it has changed our life, I'm here to tell you that the gospel of Jesus Christ has changed my life, and I believe that many of you could say the same thing. 
that the gospel has changed your life, has transformed your life. So since it's transformed your life, given you a new identity, then go live out your identity. Go engage yourself in gospel living. Again, Jesus gave this commission to men and women who some worshiped him. And then the Bible says, and it's very interesting because it's still the same today, some doubted. Even after Jesus rose from the grave, he's given this commission and some are worshiping, yes, God, yes, Jesus, I will do this. I am with you. And some, I don't know about that. And there's still some today in 2020 that worship, that do what God has called them to do. And then there are still some that doubt. I don't know if that's up to me. I don't really know if that's really what I want to do. Well, it's not about what you want to do. Look, the early church was so committed to this mission. Again, in Acts chapter 17, verse number 16, our theme verse, the people of Thessalonica said about these early converts, these that have turned the world upside down because they were so impacted with the mission, with the commission that Jesus Christ gave them. But the tragedy today, listen to me, church. The tragedy today is that we don't have the same focus as the early church. We tend to paraphrase that, paraphrase that commission to say, go to other people. Other people should, should go. I'm not going to go. I'll give my money. That's important. But I'm not going to go. I'm not going to tell anyone. I'm not going to disciple anyone. Listen to me. This is not a comfortable call. Inviting Christians to come, be baptized, and sit. <laughs> I asked an earlier question, what's the greatest need for the local church? Here's my answer. To me, the greatest need for the local church is carrying out our commission. That's the greatest need. Carrying out our commission. Well, what about you know people serving? Yeah, that's important. What about people giving? Yes, that's important. What about people coming and worshiping and singing? That's important. But our greatest need is carrying out our commission. Order to carry out our commission, we must believe that the gospel will save. Do you believe the gospel will save, church? Do you believe that his mission will succeed? Then what are we doing? Look, this isn't a mission that will fail. I've never been in the military, but I'm sure there are missions that are setting yourself up for failure. They probably try not to do that, but there are probably times where there's not much hope. But this isn't a mission that's going to fail. This isn't a mission that's going to fall flat. Yes, it's going to take some work, but it's extremely rewarding. But we have churches today full of people who are kind of like a car with a blown engine. What good is a car with a blown engine? It's no good. It doesn't matter how much gas you put in a, a blown engine, it's not going to do anything. You have to fix the engine. And a lot of times, and there's a lot of reasons why engines go bad, but some reasons are for neglect. And the sad tragedy today is, again, that there are many people busy doing good things while neglecting the need and call to make disciples. Worshiping is important. Participating in church is important. Serving in the church is important. Giving is important. All things that you should do. But if you're neglecting your commission, then you're failing. And the local church is full of people who have been saved for 
five months or five years or 10 years or 20 years or 50 years who have never led someone to Christ and have never, outside their family, reproduced someone as a disciple. And to me, one of the greatest failures in the church today is the lack of multiplicity, the lack of multiplying ourselves. You see, we have missed and neglected our mission. This isn't a comfortable call. This is a costly command directing us to go and make disciples. If we want to effectively make an impact on our community, it's not about passing out burgers or whatever. It's not about doing egg baskets. Those are, those are good things. I am definitely not opposed to those things. But if we want to make an impact in our community, then we have to fulfill our purpose and get back on commission. Making disciples is not just the job for me. This is not an elective church. It's the lifestyle of a completely committed follower of Jesus Christ. And I love the saying that says, found people find people. Meaning that if you've been found and changed by Jesus Christ, then it's your job to go and find other people and help their lives change. Again, it's not just a command to start going. It's a present participle. While you are already going, make disciples. So if you're not actively going, what's the reason for it? And you can have every excuse in the book, because I've had every excuse in the book. But your excuses are going to fall flat on your face in the presence of Jesus. See, the first thing that we must do is believe the authority of Christ. Obey the commission of Christ. And lastly, we must depend on the presence of Christ. You see, Jesus is not only in the midst when his people gather together. He is also present with them as they scatter into the world to witness. Matthew 28, 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Dr. G. Campbell Morgan told about an experience in his life that involved this statement in Matthew 28, 20. Morgan used to visit several of the older ladies in his church once a week to read the Bible to them. When he read this verse, he exclaimed, isn't that a wonderful promise? And one of the ladies quickly replied, young man, that's not a promise. That's a fact. And that's true. It's not just a promise. It's a fact that Jesus Christ is with us. Jesus doesn't just promise that he will be with you. He declares that I am with you. So since he is with you, since he has all power, all authority, what more do we need? But I'm scared. But he can conquer our fear. He can conquer anything because he is greater than anything. Look, obedience to the commission involves intentionality to what is valuable. We're intentional to do what we want to do. We're intentional with with projects or with jobs or where we're going to go on vacation. But are we intentional to the commission that Jesus Christ has given to his church? If we're not intentional to that, then what are we doing? It's time that we stop playing church. It's time that we stop just coming and sitting and serving when we want to and worshiping when we want to and giving when we feel like it, but actually fulfilling our commission. 
in doing what Jesus Christ has called his church to do. Because it's not about you. And it's not about me. Like, I want this church to go forward. And it's not just about this church. It's about his church. Because I want his kingdom to advance. And it's going to advance with us or without us. But I want it to advance with me on board. I want it to advance with you on board. So honestly, and I'm sorry if I'm stepping on toes today, but it's time that we get rid of the excuses. Well, I don't know how to teach. Well, we will teach you how to teach. Those are some things that we are going to be working on in the coming weeks and coming months and turning our Sunday night services into. We will teach you to teach. We will teach you to make disciples because this is important. This isn't just something for those that went to study theology and have a degree. This is for all of us. Look, the early church understood this. The apostle Paul understood this. He saw the responsibility and made it his life purpose. But what is your life purpose? To make more money? To get more things? To have more friends? Romans 1.14, Paul says, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and the barbarians, both to the wise, the unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. And I love verse 16, Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also the Greek. He said, I am not ashamed. But don't raise your hand, but how many of us today are ashamed of the gospel? You say, well, I'm not ashamed of it. Well, what are you doing? If you're not living it out, if you're not telling other people and making disciples, then you're saying to Jesus that I am ashamed of the gospel. You see, it's time that we get back to not this 2020 model, but the first century model. It's time we get back to what the church is supposed to be about. Too many Christians have gotten distracted with entitlement and a forgotten responsibility. One of the greatest failures is that lack of multiplicity. I close with this story in Dawson Trotman's, Trotman's book, Born to Reproduce, he states this. He said, the curse of today is that we are too busy. I'm not talking about being busy earning money to buy food. I'm talking about being busy doing Christian things. We have spiritual activity with little productivity. The gospel spread to the known world during the first century without radio, television, or the printing press. Why? Because the writings of the apostles produce men who were reproducing. But today we have a lot of pew sitters. People think that if they are faithful to church attendance, put a good sized gift in the offering plate, get people to come, they have done their part. He says, if I were a minister of a church and had deacons and elders to pass the plate and choir members to sing, I would say, thank God for your help. We need you. Praise the Lord for the extra things you do. But I would keep pressing home the big job to multiply. All of these things are incidental to this supreme task of winning a man or woman or a child to Jesus Christ and helping them become a disciple, become a follower. So what's it going to take for you personally to engage in the Great Commission? Those that have ever worked on a car, you understand there's a lot of work that needs to be put into a car that's been 
in disrepair. It's been neglected. And there's a lot of lives here today probably and probably that are listening that have been in disrepair and neglected. So what's it going to take? Repairs? Instruction? Motivation? A reminder? Look, giving to missions and impact is important. That's a phenomenal start. We're called to do that as well, but that's not enough. I close with this statement. The only way for the gospel to spread is when Christians decide to become carriers of the gospel so that we can fulfill his commission. The only way the gospel will spread is when Christians decide to become carriers of the gospel. We're not called to be complacent with the gospel, but we're called to carry the gospel. And church, I love you. And that's why I preach hard. That's why I, I give you these truths. Because I want what's best for you. What God does want us to enjoy life, and he will bless us and, and give us things, but we have to understand what our first and foremost primary purpose is. To go and make disciples. And if you're not doing it, then I want to encourage you to start. And if you don't know how, again, it's more than just hearing a message on Sunday or a Bible study on Wednesday. That's where we're going to try to develop even more our Sunday nights into really, truly teaching, developing people to go out and make disciples. Because that's what it's all about. It's not about another program. It's about His purpose. So if we're neglecting His purpose... What are we doing? If we want the gospel to go forward, if it went forward in the first century without TV and radio and Facebook and YouTube, and that, that's, that's another thing. Look, I'm thankful for those things. I am so thankful for technology. We've had a lot of people that have been able to watch that couldn't watch normally. But it's very easy to, to post a little comment on Facebook or YouTube or Instagram, isn't it? I know we're not allowed to do a lot of things and Things are starting to open up, but you got to do more than that. Well, I'm going to share this post, and I'm going to share this post, and you copy and paste this. you got to do more than that. That's easy. That's convenient so that you can go on and do whatever you else want to do. You see, it takes time and intentionality to actually disciple someone, to spend time with them. Jesus spent three and a half years with those men so that they can spend their lives winning people and discipling them. That's our call. That's our commission.